Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Uh, It's not very often that we get to travel to Canada in the middle of winter, so I'm pretty excited about that as we sweat through an Australian summer. I'd like to welcome the beautiful Angela Ackerman. Good morning, Angela. Good morning and thank you. Beautiful. Wow. (laughs) Thank you. Now, this is right up there on my dream interview list. I have been subscribing to Writers Helping Writers for many years and I had a quick flip through my emails, Angela, and there's a few that are keepers for me. There's Writers Unboxed, there's Fiction University with Janice Hardy, uh, Jane Friedman is right up there, and Writers Helping Writers. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you won't need any introduction, but just in case, everybody, Angela's a writing coach, international speaker, and co-author of uh, six best-selling books, I believe, and the latest one that is being updated is The Emotional Thesaurus, A Writer's Guide to Character Expression. Uh, tell us how the update came about. Um, well, Beck and I, you know, we that was our very first book that we wrote, The Emotional Thesaurus, and it kind of spread like wildfire, I think, because it really tackled a topic that a lot of writers struggle with, and there's not a lot written about. There's not a lot of help in the emotion space. And I think the way we approached our book, making it a really practical brainstorming tool that you can use as you're writing or as you're revising, it just really appealed to a lot of writers. Um, But being our very first book, um, you know, we were kind of feeling our way around. It was, uh, we published it in 2012 when, um, you know, self-publishing was really getting going. And we were kind of nervous, you know, will people like this or not? And so we've always wanted to go back over the years and kind of update it simply because we've learned so much in that space, in that time. We've grown as writers and and as writing coaches. And there's so many more aspects of writing that writing emotion that we wanted to cover. And there's so many other emotions that we could cover in the emotion thesaurus. So seeing that all of our books are are a lot bigger, we've kind of gotten more verbose as we go along. We add as many motions as we can or as many settings as we can or whatever our topic is. So we had room to develop this book. And so we finally decided that we were going to do it and we were going to go back and add 55 new emotions to it. So we're really excited. Now, there already were about 75 emotions to start with, weren't there? Yes, 75 to start with. And now this one has 130. Yeah. Now... It, I'm assuming it's an online resource as well as a beautiful physical book that's coming out. Uh, yeah. Now, the very first thing, everyone, I want to chat about was our, I guess, our research libraries and our, our bookshelves where all our Keeper writing books are. Now, everyone has one, I'm sure, and some books fall off the shelves. We've been looking at, um, my daughter and I have been reading how-to books for uh, all over the last six weeks, and we're absolutely horrified, or she's absolutely horrified as a, as a uh, young person, how masculinist uh, a lot of these books are. I'm looking at one by... So, and it's quite famous, and 
it's Albert Zuckerman writing the blockbuster novel. And it's all male examples and it's all action and it's all, I guess, stereotypically um, male. Suddenly we've got this wonderful thesaurus and, you've, as you said, there's six of the um, books that you've written, but this writer's guide to character expression, it delves right into the heart of what, I guess, we as female writers uh, do best and it's emotion. Yeah, and I think emotion can be kind of a taboo topic if you've got male characters, you know, um, in the sense that some people, some males are not comfortable thinking about the deeper emotions that we have as people. But the reality is, is we all have these emotions, whether or not we show them or not. And what we're trying to do through our fiction is connect to readers, connect with them in a very realistic way, which means, you know, pulling on some of those deeper things that are within us, even if we don't tend to show them if we are masculine or masculine in nature. Um, I know a lot of women that, that, you know, kind of hold back and they don't, emotions don't always feel safe to express. Um, so it's not always a sex issue or not. Um, but it's really important for us to make sure that we're writing characters who come across as authentic. Even if you don't necessarily show a lot of cues of what something looks like, you're still going to feel it inside. You're still going to have thoughts that are going to run on an emotional vein, depending on what you're, what, what you're experiencing at any given time. So we need our characters to behave the same way. We need that authenticity to come through. So emotion is definitely an important topic, no matter what type of book you write. And, and, you know, not every book really goes in deep to the emotional experience, but we still have to touch on it because it's such a big issue in real life. That's, you know, that's why we're here. That's why we connect so deeply to everything around us is emotion. So if we don't, you know, have that mirror of real life in our fiction, then it's really going to read as hollow. Yeah. Now, as a writing coach, I'm, I've look. There's so much I could go into in this one, everyone, but I've given up. I'm not going to to try any more um, delving into what other people have asked about. I'm just going to go with what we want to know. Uh, as as new writers uh, and as beginning writers, uh, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see that we make? Um. Are we Beck and I. All of our books are really about show, don't tell, and it's not so much show don't tell as knowing when to show and when to tell both are used in fiction. But I would say that a lot of um, newer writers, they tend to tell too much or they will show. And then because they're not sure if they showed strongly enough, they'll also tell as well. And so in emotion um, with emotions, a really easy way to do that is when you name the emotion, you know, shivered in fear, Um, your description of the, moment, the mood that you're building in your scene, the characters' behaviors, their thoughts, all of those things should indicate fear. And that should come through to the readers. You should never actually have to say in fear because it just should not be needed. And so that's something that I see quite frequently is is kind of that that tendency to tell. I would say another one that I see often is sometimes the characters can either get too much in their own head, where there's a lot of thoughts that sort of slow everything down, a lot of backstory that comes out early on, um, or there's very little thoughts, very little internalizations at all. And it's, it's most of the showing, especially emotion is shown through um, body language, body cues, which it'll show behavior is always a very important co- um, component to showing emotion, but it's only one component. You really need the internal and the external working together so that readers really understand what the character's going through and it kind of pulls them into their point of view better. So I would say, yeah, backstory, um, telling more than showing, 
over-relying on thoughts or under-relying on thoughts. Those are probably the biggest issues that I see. Yeah. And looking first drafts, it doesn't matter. But when it comes to the editing process, I'm guessing this is where your book comes into its own because it makes us think more deeply about what our character motivations are. Yeah. I've, I've heard from writers that use um, the emotion thesaurus more in editing um, when they're kind of drafting, they're in the moment, they don't want to stop and think. So they'll just sort of shove a cue in there, like, you know, that she smiled or frowned or, you know, or even telling. Telling is okay in the first draft. You know, if you're in the flow, don't ruin the flow by trying to think of the perfect description. You know, go ahead and use that word fear or worried or whatever and just make a mental note to run a search for those things when you're done your draft so that you can come back to those places and think about how the character would express this emotion in a way that is true to them their backstory, who they are, their personality, how they feel in the moment, their comfort zone, all those kind of things are going to come into play. And that is going to dictate how they're going to behave in this moment. But yeah, in the moment, you, you don't necessarily, when you're drafting, you don't want to think too hard about emotion. But I have other, had other people too that, you know, they get stumped, they get blocked, and they are unable to move on um, when they're drafting. And so when they need ideas, just reading through the lists can really trigger something. You know, um, we purposely created a guide where every emotion that we tackle, the, whether it's the body language that's tied to it or the thought processes that go along with it or the visceral sensations, they're all um, somewhat generic on purpose because we want writers to adapt those to whatever their whatever kind of character they have and hopefully by reading through the list they'll spot something where they can imagine their character doing that exact thing and then they can put it on the page in a way that's really fresh so that's kind of we see that too but mostly i would say yeah people use it as an editing tool I've, I've got to tell you everyone that i actually clicked on this little list this morning as i was preparing for this interview and i just got quite excited because it's it's long it's uh, there's 130 different emotions that you just don't think of by yourself do you i can see why this would be a bible and you'd want it in print copy everyone uh, so you can pick it up and play with it um but we go through you know um and I'll just read a couple just to give give our listeners a little bit of an idea. It starts, um, we've got appalled, apprehensive, aired, betrayed, bitterness, certainty, concern, confidence, conflict. And as soon as you start attaching your character's names to those things, your brain automatically starts to think about your character in those terms, don't they? So, so I'm guessing to, if you want to, if you want to up the ante and you want to do the what if game and you want to cause a little bit of emotional, I guess, height in, in your story, grabbing a couple of these words and and tossing them into the story and throwing them around would really create some interest, wouldn't it? For sure. I think as writers, we tend to sort of, until we really think about emotion deeply, we will stick to sort of the same classic emotions. And we have to remember that part of our job is to be authentic to the character. And part of our job is to create a really strong experience for the reader and I think that those strong experiences really come through when we give them emotions that are a little bit off the beaten path or ones that we don't, you know, our, our, our brain doesn't immediately jump to. There's a lot of gap in between um, different uh, cardinal emotions that we can explore that can be a lot of fun to see how the characters are going to respond in certain situations. And they ring true, you know, um, 
also, the other thing that I find is that in real life, we're often conflicted. We feel a lot of different emotions at once, or we'll feel emotions that are completely different, um, opposite of each other. And we can write about that on the page. We can show how a character might be really excited that they bought a brand new car, but then they're also worried, you know, am I going to be able to make these payments? And what if I park somewhere and somebody scratches my door? And, you know, just all these thoughts that come in our heads, that's, that's exactly the human experience. And that's what we always want to communicate on the page is a range of emotions, not just the same, you know, 10 emotions that we tend to, sometimes we can get caught up in, in describing. So this kind of also, yeah, prompts that range for us to really reach a little bit deeper and think about, you know, what kind of new emotions we can bring out that are, that work naturally with the scene. Yeah. Now you have uh, this one that's coming out and it's an update of your first book and you have another five. Uh, do you want to just quickly run through those titles with us? Because I've got all of them on my Kindle here and I'm flicking backwards and forwards and getting a bit confused, but all of them have something to offer, don't they? Yeah. Like I said, we're we're really all about the show, don't tell. And, and we stretch that across every aspect of writing. Um, where we come from it as is that any description that you put in your story, it should work really hard to be there. It shouldn't just paint a picture for readers. It should characterize. Um, it should push the story forward. It should set the mood. Um, it should reveal emotion. There should be something that it does. And so every topic that we uh, tackle with description, we try to do that. So um, we have two books on setting because it was such a massive topic. We had to break it into two books and the together they look at 250 different fictional settings that you might find in your character's world. Anything um, in the natural environments around the home, um, in urban environments. And they look at all the things a character might see, smell, taste, touch, or hear. And this encourages us to think a little bit more deeper with our sensory description as we tend to write what the character is seeing and we don't add enough of that sensory detail. But it also looks at different things that can happen in those settings, like the different type of conflict that could happen potentially in those settings and the different people who will be um, there in those settings that you can think about, you know, is this person going to block my character's process or how could this type of person, you know, create a situation where my character has to think on their feet and work through a problem. So it, it kind of inspires a lot of different ideas. Um, we have two books on personality. One is the positive trait the source and the other is the negative trait the source. And these look at the two halves of character personality. Um, so they look at a lot of the different behaviors and actions and thoughts um, that a person would naturally feel and do uh, based on different personality types. A character who is loyal is going to behave a lot differently than someone who's corrupt. Um, a character who is moody or um, controlling, they're going to behave a certain way. You can get a you can get an idea of how that behavior is going to look on the page and how they're going to interact with other people, um, what the relationships are going to be like. So we really want to encourage people to think deeply about what traits they give their characters and not just assign something, but think about why those traits appeared in their personality. You know, who did the character in their past backstory, who did they know, who were their influencers in their life, you know, who taught them things, um, encouraged them, cause them to grow, find out who they were, but also who held them back, who tried to take their power, um, what bad experiences 
were in their past that created emotional wounds. Um, things like that. All of these things, just like you and I, we have a different personality based on our background, how we were raised, who we were raised around, and the type of environment we were in. Our characters are the same. And so if we can think on these deep levels about why our characters are the way they are and what appears in their personality, we're going to build really well-rounded, memorable characters um, that are just going to light up the page. And then finally, the last book that we have is The Emotional Wound Thesaurus. And that's the one that we wrote, our last book before this one. Um, and it was definitely the most difficult book Becca and I have ever written. Um, and it looks at, um, I think there's 116 different types of real world um, psychological trauma known as emotional wounds. And these are events that have happened in a character's past that have changed them often in a very negative way. Something that is unresolved that in the scope of the story, they're going to need to work through, um, sort of dig up from deep where they buried it, look at it and learn how to move past it in a way that's more healthier than they've been doing up to now. Because this really ties into character arc. Um, most stories are based on a change arc where a character starts the story one way and they end the story in a different place. Some, something better, um, maybe at the start of the story, you know, something feels like it's missing from their life or they feel like they're being held back or they're unhappy. And throughout the course of the story, they're going to grow and they're going to change and they're going to evolve and become someone stronger who can meet the challenges ahead in the story to um, achieve whatever goal it is that they have. And the things that they need to face are things within them, things that are holding them back, things that are keeping them from living their life in full. And those are often tied to emotional wounds, these things that are within them that, you know, some, something terrible happened and they never quite moved it past it in a, in a healthy way. So we really dig into what each emotional wound is, um, the different types of behaviors that will typically present in someone who has that uh, particular wound, especially when it's unresolved, and um, look at different triggers that might trigger that, you know, as we all know, like different experiences that we have, they remind us of our past, sometimes in good ways, sometimes in bad ways. So in storytelling, we can think about what kind of triggers can we weave into the story that's going to help bring this emotion, this emotional wound to the surface so that our character can process it and they can start going through it. So in some ways, it sounds a little bit sadistic that we're actually causing them pain, bringing up the, these bad memories that they have, but it really is a necessary process if we want to see that internal growth um, and work through that internal conflict so that they become someone stronger um, and, you know, learn to have hope and look to the future, you know, and see what's possible instead of what isn't possible. So yeah, that's, that's uh, the emotional wintosaurus. So that was quite a roller coaster because like I said, it's everything that we pull is deeply, a lot of psychology in it and emotional wounds more so than anything. So it involved a lot of um, really going through real world pain. So uh, but hopefully writers will find it helpful and hopefully because we did some of that research, then they will have to do a little less. So, Yeah. Now, everyone, don't worry here. I've actually, I'll put the transcript up of our, of our conversation because I'm sitting here trying to take notes and, and there's no point. Uh, this is a workshop in, in motion here and we can all put our manuscripts, um, I think, through the test and, and make sure that we include some of these things. Uh, what I did, Angela, over the holidays is I did borrow a book from the local Nambucca Library on um, setting and it was 
I was so surprised at how much after 30 years of writing that A, I'd forgotten and B, I don't use anyway. Uh, setting, as you said, you can have books on setting, keep it with you as you're writing and it will add depth to your writing just by osmosis, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Setting is actually one of the most powerful tools that we have in our writing toolkit. And it's interesting because I think a lot of writers sort of overlook it. They think, oh, I do pretty good setting description. You know, I've got my sounds and my smells and they sort of, that's as far as they go with it. But setting is, it. there's this beautiful relationship between setting and character. And when you put the two together, you create emotion. Um, in real life, you know, there's always places where we go all the time. We frequent them. Um, we have our favorite coffee shops. We have our favorite places that we vacation. We have our favorite room in our house. And it's because all of these settings mean something to us. They make us feel good. And so we like to be in them. Um, and there's settings that we avoid. There's places that we don't want to go. They, they're, they, we associate them with danger or something bad happened there. And so we avoid those places. And in storytelling, we can do the same thing um, to bring out some great conflict in the story. Um, we can use setting in a way that, you know, is going to, the way we describe it is going to create a, a, a mood. It's going to make the character feel off balance or it's going to make them feel at ease, whatever it is that we decide that we want to do. You can foreshadow with your setting um, and you can make your setting have a really strong emotional value. And that's where you specifically choose a setting in a scene that's going to have a deeper meaning to one of the characters, usually the protagonist, but sometimes other characters as well. And it's it's going to have a stronger meaning for them, something good or something bad. It, it's up to you what you're kind of going for in the story. Um, I have an example of a character who... Um, you know, he's interviewing for a job and it all goes well over the phone and the CEO tells him, you know, like, you seem like the exact person that we want. Instead of bringing you into the office, why don't we meet for lunch? And we'll just, you know, we'll just get to know each other and that sort of thing. And so, you know, this guy, he's the character, he's really excited. He's, it's his dream job. He knows he's got it nailed. And, you know, the guy says, okay, well, we'll meet at, I don't know, I need a name of a restaurant, you know, um, I don't know, the steak hut. <laughs> let's meet at the stay cut. And immediately the character has this sense of dread um, because the last time he was at the stay cut was when he was there with his, his uh, girlfriend and he proposed to her and she said, no. So immediately you could have that, you could have that moment, that interview happen in any restaurant. It could be at Chipotle, it could be McDonald's, it could be anything, but why not choose a place, a restaurant that has specific meaning to one of the characters when that character enters that restaurant, everything is going to remind him of that terrible moment because that was the moment where he feels he failed. It was his you know, biggest disappointment in life that she said no. And so now he's got to go and he's got to do an interview in this same restaurant. You know, There's the same waiter bringing the menus over and maybe the guy sitting across the table, the CEO, orders the same meal that he ordered that night or chooses the same wine. Maybe he, he keeps being distracted looking over at the table that he sat at with his girlfriend where there's now a loving couple and they're, you know, they've got wedding bands on and they're holding hands across the table. Like There's so many things you can do when you choose the right setting that's going to alter the character's emotional state, that's going to create more friction, um, more conflict, or, you know, put them in a place where they're going to make mistakes or it's going to be their greatest triumph. Um, 
maybe your character, you know, has kind of moved through a lot of the problems and, and the things that have held him back since that moment. And despite being in this situation again, where he could fail again, he instead rallies. And he's like, no, I got this. Like, this is a different situation and I'm, I'm going to nail this interview. And he does. So it's really up to us what we want to do with these powerful settings. But by choosing something um, specific rather than just picking something generic, oh, well, I guess this conversation can take place, you know, in the car or, you know, at school. Like, think about a specific place that has meaning to that scene that you can just enhance things a little bit more. Yeah. Now, if everyone, if you haven't, um, I guess, turned off or put, put us on pause now and rushing to your own writing, my mind is just um, thinking of all sorts of things I can be doing with my manuscript now. I, I'm guessing this is one of the reasons you are such an inspirational uh, speaker and you get called in, I'm guessing, uh, to give these writing workshops a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I have to limit my travel you know, I love to travel, first of all. Um, travel is wonderful, and it's a wonderful uh, side effect of being invited different places to speak. But I have a lot on the go, and so it, I, I can't speak as much as I would love to. But it is always such an honor to be able to come and, and talk to people in person because you just can't beat the energy that you get in a, in a workshop, working with people face-to-face -face and answering questions that they have and helping them with their manuscripts. I love it. Yeah, and now this is, I think, why writers' retreats are becoming more and more popular. Uh, and no amount of preparation this morning would have prepared me for actually meeting you in person and listening to the energy in your voice. It's, it's something, everybody, when, when you're looking at your own writing, to be able to, I guess, tap into the expertise of, of people like yourself, Angela, which brings me to something that I am really keen to delve more deeply into. Uh, and for some reason, I couldn't get in or I didn't um, go far enough with it because I was covering it um, briefly. One Stop for Writers. Yeah. Tell us all about it. Well, One Stop for Writers is a, a subscription site. And I kind of refer to it as if you understand what Beck and I do with our books and with our Writers Helping Writers website. It's sort of like Angela and Becca on steroids <laughs> because we love helping writers and we love helping writers through our guides. That's fantastic that people, you know, really uh, are finding them good tools to help them write. That's great. But, um, you know, with any format, there's going to be limitations. And with a book, you you're limited by page count. Um, every time we create a new book and they're big and they're heavy, we think about, oh my gosh, these four writers that are hauling these around to coffee shops and, you know, d different writing retreats. And it's just, we thought, you know, I wonder if there's a better way where we can put all of these things together in one place. Um, and so that's what we did is we created One Stop for Writers with Lee Powell, who is the creator of Scrivener for Windows and Linux. And um, we put all of our thesauruses online, which is just one aspect of the site. Uh, we actually have 14 different thesauruses. Uh, most people don't necessarily realize that. They just see the books, but not all of our thesauruses have been turned into books. We just, we don't have enough clones. <laughs> if we had more clones, then everything would be great. But we can, these books are labor intensive. So we really choose carefully about what next topic we're going to turn into a book. And not all topics would make a very good book. Um, just because the subject matter is too, you know, there's, it's too narrow, too niche. Maybe it could be turned into a booklet or something like that. So anyway, we have all these different thesauruses on different topics, like weather and symbolism. All of our books are there. Um, character motivation, there's a thesaurus just on character motivation, different common things that 
drive people to do different things. Um, and they all are packed with description um, to help people strengthen their storytelling and build stronger characters. But the other thing, the other big thing that we do at One Stop for Writers, which is so much fun for Becca and I, is that we really enjoy building tools. Um, sometimes our tools are books, but sometimes they're other things. And um, as writers ourselves, we know what tools we really wish existed because they would make our lives easier. And if they don't exist now, because we have access to Lee, who's a really talented developer, and we have a second developer at One Stop named Abhishek, um, you know, we can make these things a reality. We can create these tools that we know are going to help us and help other writers. So we've done that. We've created a bunch of different structure tools that really kind of break down the components of um, story structure in a really easy way and creates a nice little map that you can use to write your story. We've done the same thing at the scene level, create scene maps where um, people, you know, often wonder, like, are all the moving parts of this scene, are they all in place? You know, have I done a good job of making sure that the story is there? It's not just, you know, random things happening in a bubble. And so we've kind of uh, earmarked certain things that you want to see in a specific scene in a way that's really easy to understand for writers. Uh, we have an idea generator that looks at all different kinds of topics that you wouldn't normally find in an idea generator that just kind of spark your brain when you need that sort of help. And um, we have worksheets and so many different things. I would say the thing that we're most excited about is a tool that we're building right now that is almost complete. It's in beta testing and it's called the character building tool. And the reason why this tool is so exciting is because it, for the very first time, we are creating a tool that pulls data from all our different thesauruses based on characters. So character personality, character wounds, character motivation. And you can actually build a character making choices about different aspects of your character's backstory, personality, behavior. And depending on what you choose, it will pull elements out of these um, sections and put them into a character arc blueprint. So it will actually show you what your character arc blueprint is based on the information that you've given about your particular character, sourcing the information that we have in our thesauruses. So it's something very unusual and new that I, I've never heard someone trying to do something like this before. So we're very excited to see how that's going to roll out. Yeah, and, and everyone, um, I for one know that I leave very large gaps in, in my character arcs uh, and I think it's natural for all of us. And as we're listening here today, the important thing to remember is not to get overwhelmed by all these wonderful things but to use them to our advantage. Uh, yeah. Now, I could see very easily a beginning writer getting bogged down going, oh, my gosh, I've got to do all this and I've got to check all this when it comes to the editing process. That's not your purpose at all, is it? No, no. And we've worked really hard to try to make our tools break it down, these kind of deeper components of character building and story building into um, manageable, understandable components. Because that's the big thing is, is you never stop learning with writing. Like there's never, you, we always, when we start writing, we always have this idea that I just want to get good enough that fill in the blank, that I publish a book or that this, that, the other thing. But what you quickly realize is that there is no, I just need to get good enough. Like there's always more to learn. And the successful writers I find are ones that really embrace that learning process. And they decide, okay, you know what? I'm not going to focus so much on the end result. I'm going to focus more on the journey and learning and growing as I go. And um, so there is a huge learning curve. And the more you learn about writing, the more you realize that there's even more to learn beyond that. 
So we really wanted to create a way that sort of takes a lot of these things that might intimidate um, newer writers and break it down in a way that makes it easier. So hopefully with this tool, even though it sounds complex and there's a lot of moving pieces, hopefully we've done a good job of um, providing enough instruction and making it really easy and obvious what it is that someone needs to do. Yeah. Now, remember, everyone, that when uh, Scrivener first hit the market, we all died of fright. And now it is just the go-to tool that makes our lives so very much easier. And I'm, I'm guessing that um, the character building tool will, will do something similar. Uh, everyone, if you haven't had a um, fossic around on um, Angela's website now, Writers Helping Writers, uh, you're crazy not to. Uh, the one-stop, um, what is it, the one-stop one stop for writers. Yeah, one stop for writers. I lost where I was. Uh, I, I'm going to have a look at it and I'll put some more stuff up about what I find, which is really exciting. But I've also found on uh, Angela's website here, it's podcasts and interviews that you might like to listen to. And I'm always on the lookout for writing podcasts. And there's a <laughs> wonderful, um, terrific podcast for writers. And you should pop over and have a look. Um, because the more that we listen, the more that we uh, look around uh, what tools are available to us, the more inspired we are. Uh, Angela, just before I let you go, and I've got to admit, I don't want to let you go. I think I'd rather be <laughs> It's been so much fun. <laughs> uh, what do we do? What, what, what is your overriding piece of advice when we come to emotion of our characters and we've got your book in front of us and we go, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, well, if you're struggling with trying to figure out what it is that your character's feeling, I would try to dig down to the root emotion because as I said, it's very common for characters to feel more than one thing at one time. Um, so it can, you can be a bit conflicted, you know, should I show this or should I show them doing that? You know, and what you don't want to do is try to describe so many different emotions that suddenly readers are confused. They're not understanding if, you know, actions that they're taking or behaviors are because of this or because of that. So sometimes digging down to like what is the primary emotion that they feel and centering on that can kind of provide a guidepost to help you figure out where to start your description. Um, the other thing that I would say too is if you're struggling with trying to figure out how your character would express something in a particular moment, just take a moment yourself to sort of sit down and think back to a time where you yourself felt that same emotion. It doesn't have to be the same situation, the same scenario that the character that you you were in, that the character's in now. It can be something completely different. But um, think of a time where you felt that same emotion. If you felt guilt, you know, think about what you were thinking when you felt guilty. You know, were you kind of obsessing about something that happened? Um, do you get a little bit nervous every time you're around a specific person that's tied to that secret, that thing that you feel guilty about? Um, what happens inside your body? What's going on? You know, is your heart speeding up? You know, is your muscles in your stomach tighter? Um, are you moving more? Are you touching yourself more? Think about the things that you might do and allow yourself to experience that moment if it's in your comfort zone. I realize some emotions that our characters might be experiencing may be difficult for us to process ourselves, but if it's an emotion that you feel comfortable sort of exploring, that can be a really good thing is just to think about a moment where you felt that same thing and let yourself re-experience it and think about those thoughts and then pay attention, you know, think about what it is that your body is doing and then ask yourself if that, if those are things that you think fit your character as well. 
Yeah. Now, the writing, uh, the thesaurus on character has writing tips in it, everyone. So there's lots and lots of advice from these ladies in that that will come in really, really handy. Uh, Very simple little writing tips that you can access and pick up one a day and read if you want to. I can't wait to get my hands on on a copy of this thing and and I'll put it up there for you. Uh, But creating subtext for your writers, thinking more deeply, living with your living with your characters, doing all those kinds of things allows for a greater experience for your reader and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yes, it definitely is, definitely is. Yep. Okay, where can we find your book? I know it's coming out in February. It is. Uh, you can pre-order it now. This is the first time we've ever offered a pre-order, so it's kind of exciting. Um, and uh, you can do that. If you go to Writers Helping Writers, you'll, you'll find a million signposts to show you how to do that. Um, and we have a pre-order bonus on right now where if you do pre-order the book, we'll send you some of the cutting room floor emotion entries that never made it into the book. Because uh, there's quite a, a bit of a battle with Becca and I deciding, you know, which motions to include, which ones not to include. And so we kind of all, we have our favorites. We come to the table with our favorites and we kind of pitch them. And uh, some emotions we need to explore. We need to write them out. And we discover, you know what, they're too close to something else that we already have, or this isn't really an emotion, it's more of a character trait. And so those things, they're complete, you know, the entries are written, but they just didn't make it into the book. So we've got a little collection of a couple of those that uh, that we'll send you if you pre-order. Um, so you, you can find them at uh, Writers Helping Writers, but the pre-order is also up at Kindle uh, and Print, Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, Indie, IndieBound, and Kobo, I think, are where they all right now. I think Apple Books is coming if it's not up quite yet, but it should be up soon. Yeah. Now, don't forget there's five other books in the series. Uh, definitely the setting one. I love the um, emotional wounds one. Uh, now, a lot of us here, uh, Angela, are romance writers and what everything that you've talked about today just fits straight into what a good romance yeah. should should be all about. So I'm actually thrilled. I'm going to hang up the phone here now and I'm actually going to write some more, Tracy Peterson. I'm going to sit down and do some work now. Uh, That's good. Absolute inspiration, Angela. Thank you. All the best with your... Uh, now, let me do it one more time, everyone. The Emotional Thesaurus. Oh, sorry, it's The Emotion Thesaurus, A Writer's Guide to Character Expression. And I didn't mention Peg Piglisi because I knew I was going to muck up her surname. That's your partner <laughs> okay. in crime, isn't it? She uh, is, yes. Yeah. Uh, and the two of you have got a wonderful thing happening over there and um, I'm going to go over and have a look at One Stop for Writers and I, for one, will be uh, subscribing to that as well. Uh, wonderful. Yeah. Now, remember, it's a journey that matters, everyone. Thanks. Um, thanks to you, Angela. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. And uh, that's it for another episode of Writer on the Road.